Welcome to the Equip and Encourage Podcast. My heart and prayer is to be an encouragement to you in your pursuit of Jesus and to equip you in the advancement of His kingdom. If you'd like to connect with me further, head on over to my website at pastorjoshleadership.com. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. Thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode of the Equip and Encourage podcast. This is a message that I shared with our leadership team, and I thought it might be a blessing to you. I would love some feedback. Let me know if this is a blessing to you. Uh, shout outs, comments, let me know. And here we go. But I want to talk uh, for just a moment about reluctant leadership or what we might call insecure leadership. And one of the things that we continually talk about is that we're trying to make the move from going uh, from consumers to contributors, uh, that we're not just, you know, we're not just consuming what's available. And as leaders, um, it's critical that we see ourselves as contributors, that we see ourselves as as uh, owners, not simply managers. Uh, you know, one thing that I heard a long time ago is that we manage systems, but we lead people. And so we are in the people business. It's what we do. We lead people. And a lot of times our we have this element called insecurity uh, that falls in uh, to our life. And it's insecurity is from you know, just us personally and how we feel inadequate or we feel unqualified to do what we're doing or we have, you know, wounds in our life that have caused us to kind of, you know, be reluctant in a lot of ways. But really our reluctancy is almost always an indicator uh, that we're insecure. Sometimes sometimes people um, are overly ambitious because they're really insecure. And so, but what I see most of the time is people that are really uh, reluctant in their leadership. They're hesitant. They don't, you know, I, I have a conversation uh, with with people all the time. They lead with, uh, I'm sorry, or, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you think this is a good idea. I hear a lot of these kind of things. They'll make apologies before they make statements. And so what I would classify that as, as reluctant leadership I sometimes am reluctant as a leader if I'm not confident in, in what I'm about to say. I, you know, sometimes I do this when I'm preaching. I say, well, you know, just to be clear, because I, I'm really kind of functioning in an insecurity. And so whereas we do we do want to navigate with people, we just want to make sure that that's always coming from the right spot. And it's not coming from insecurity. Uh, the podcast I heard this morning was from uh, Craig Groeschel, and he was he was basically answering an email or a message that he got from a, a guy that was in his, in his early twenties. And the guy was like, you know, how do you deal with the whole idea about being younger and and you know serving and leading people that are older than you? Like that's kind of creates a problem. And Craig immediately, in his wisdom, goes to you know this is probably insecurity. And so and so the three things that he uh, shared with the guy or four things. One is that God chose you. And I think that's so important for us to remember, you know, when we feel insecure, is it to understand that, man, God picked me for this. And it wasn't really based upon uh, how good I was, but on how good he was. The second thing that he mentioned is that a leader chose you and possibly a leader that you admire chose you that asked you to be part of a team or lead in an area. And so just understand that, that, um, 
that our leaders have the confidence in us. If they've asked us to do something, it's because they have the confidence that we can do it. So that those are a couple of things that really help us. Another one he said is that uh, the people that we're leading are not thinking about our insecurities. And so we, we move in and we're like, oh, what if they think this about me? And what if, They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about what you've asked them to do in most cases. Uh, they're, asked, they're thinking about the job, the thing that's in their hand. They're thinking about the thing that they're stewarding. So it's a lot of times, I know for me and in, in my insecurities as a leader, sometimes I think, well, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me? Half the time, they're not thinking about you. I would say that probably 90% of the time, they're not thinking about you. So just remember that. I thought that there was a lot of wisdom in that. And then the last thing that he said is let consistency, passion, and integrity lead over time. And so, uh, and I wanted to kind of use that as a springboard uh, to, to share on how do you build uh, some confidence? How do you build or confidence or, you know, how do we move from being reluctant and hesitant as a leader? How do we move into to areas to where, we, hey, we can have some confidence and you know what? I can lead and, and having that, that understanding there. And so um, I want to suggest these things. And so first of all, to, to reiterate what Craig said is that, you know, our qualification comes from God. Second Corinthians uh, chapter three, verse five says that our qualification comes from God. So God picked us. He chose it. He knew we could do it. So he's the one that placed us there. But a few thoughts that I had on top of that. Number one is consistency breeds confidence consistency. Uh, if we don't do something consistent, we will never have the confidence uh, to carry it on. And so you have to do something for a little while. I remember my days of youth pastoring, the first several times I preached, I've always enjoyed preaching, but I was always super unconfident moving into it. Was I going to say something good? I still battle that. Um, but I'm a lot more confident than I used to because I've, you know, I've preached, you know, (laughs) maybe, you know, 1500 times or, or something like that. And so as I've done it, I've developed the confidence now that I don't really have to worry about it. And, um, and so the consistency breeds that confidence. And, you know, if you will just do it for a while, you know, too many people try things, but if you'll sell out to what you're doing and just, and just invest that consistency in there, you'll develop, you know what, I can do this. It becomes like clockwork. It's, it's intuitive to my nature. Now I can just, you know, I can do it on the fly. I don't even have to really think about it. And so, consistency breeds confidence. Number two is do things that you're good at and grow them often. And so do them often and grow at the things that you're good at often. And so if we're always and the third part is about weakness, but if we're always thinking about our weakness, if we're not really doing things that we're good at, then what's going to happen is we're always going to feel like a failure. And so it's really critical that we're doing the things that we're good at often, but we're also growing those things. I'm better. I want to be a better communicator than I was five years ago. I think I am. And so I'm going to keep working at that. I'm going to keep working on that craft. And uh, the, the third would be this is get better where you're weak. Again, we're not focusing on our weakness, but we're growing our weakness. Uh, the I would say this, the only time that weakness should become our focus is when when our weakness becomes a lid on our leading. And so once it becomes a lid, once it, once it starts to hinder my progress, then I need to address my weaknesses. We probably need to always address our weaknesses, but we don't need to make them a focal point of our life. We really need to focus on our strengths, do what we're good at, do, do what God's gifted us in, function in that mostly, and then over kind of on the side, I'm tweaking my weaknesses. Uh, you know, one of the great things about living in the information age is we have all these resources available for free, YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff. There are certain things that you're just not going to be able to do. I'm probably not going to be a good mechanic, but... 
I could learn how to do that if I really needed to save the money to change my the five bucks I would save my changing my own oil. Then I would then I would get underneath my car and I would you know and I would figure out how to change the oil in my vehicle. Um, whatever, but that's a, an area of weakness. So I'm not going to focus on that because it's for me it's it's not really worth saving that little bit of money. I'd rather save uh, myself some frustration and a couple of years on my life. But where wherever you're weak, you, you tweak those things whenever it becomes a lid. And so, man, you, we have research, all these kind of things. You can get better at literally anything. And so where you're weak, you can, you can, uh, draw resources, uh, out there, YouTube, you know, I, I'm part of, you know, Facebook groups and all this kind of stuff where I can grow my communication, my, my leading style, my management, all those kind of things that, that maybe aren't really natural to me. I can do things. I can learn things uh, from those incredible resources that are totally at our fingertips, literally at our fingertips. Number four is be willing to make mistakes. And so a lot of times the reluctant leader is just like, I just don't want to fail. I don't want to screw up. And I would just say this, that a mistake does not, just because you made a mistake does not mean that you've failed. And I think that we've confused that. And so uh, for some reason we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect right out the gate. You're not going to be a perfect leader. Um, I've been leading for 25 years. I still make tons of mistakes. I don't, the mistakes I make are different, but I still make mistakes on a consistent basis. That doesn't mean that I'm a failure as a leader. In fact, I'm going to grow and I'm going to be better because of my mistakes, but I've got to be willing to make them. I got to throw myself out there. So try new things. And, uh, you know, one of the things about, about making mistakes is that, you know, there, the, the best season to make mistakes is whenever, now I'm not talking about major mistakes, but the best season to make mistakes, especially little mistakes is when you have, a, when there's a lot of momentum going on. And, uh, you know, I'd say in our church right now, there's a, a lot of momentum going on. So be willing to do some things that you thought, man, that'd be cool to do that. Well, go ahead and just go ahead and try. And because, you know, mistakes, all mistakes seem so much smaller when you're winning, you know, when you win, you feel, you know, you, you look at the mistakes and you're like, it's not a big deal. But if you don't have momentum and you, you kind of, not that you're a loser, but you kind of feel like you're in a losing season, man, every little thing hurts. So when the environment's good, then that's, that means it's time to risk, you know, that means it's time to, to risk, uh, making some mistakes. Obviously we got to measure those mistakes. I'm not talking about major things, but willing to try some things that you maybe aren't willing to try all the time. And number five is this get around encouragers. And this is my last point. Um, find mentors in regard to your leadership, the area that you're trying to lead, the area you're trying to move into the area in which you're leading, find mentors, find people that you can seek out. You know, sometimes we always, we always want to be the contributors in the sense, and, and we should aim for that. But if we're always the smartest person in the room, then we need to find a bigger room. We need to get around some people, set up some meetings with people that are better than you. Um, I know that we all, we all want to bring our wisdom to those kind of things. And that's great. But who are you learning from? So seek, and, and I would say this, that there is a, a, a big difference between encouragement and affirmation. So seek out encouragement, not affirmation. I love affirmation. You love affirmation. We all do. And I would say this, that affirmation is always encouraging, but encouragement is not always affirming. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, it doesn't always feel good to be encouraged. Sometimes courage 
and, and I would say this, that real encouragement leads to me being better. And so encouragement doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you're doing such a great job. Encouragement means, hey, you know, let me help you be better. And so that's for me, I, I'm always seeking that out. What can I do better? What are my holes? Where, where can I improve? And so what doesn't help is for you to get around a person like that, a person that's supposed to be your encourager and complain or whine in pursuit or seeking affirmation. Uh, we call that fishing for compliments, right? So what we do is we kind of complain and we're like, oh, just woe is me. I'm, you know, we kind of do this when we're reluctant in our leadership, hoping that someone will affirm us and tell us we're doing a good job. Listen, you're probably doing a good job unless someone's telling you specifically, you know, you really need to step it up. And so don't fish for compliments all the time. Uh, complaining and whining is not, and seeking out affirmation is going to help. Seek out encouragement, and it is different. Not just just feel good about what you're doing, but something that's going to provoke you on to better things. Um, and seek somebody out. You know, find somebody that you admire that that you want to uh, do what they're doing, or someone that's been where you've been, and say, "Hey, I would like to buy you coffee. Let's sit down." Let's let's get together. I, I just want to pick your brain for a little bit and sit there, have something to write down on. Don't have all the answers and absorb some encouragement. Well, hey, that's my encouragement to you today. And bless you guys. I'll see you Sunday night.